You are about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, episode 20. Woohoo! 20 episodes and I'm still here. Today's episode is with a friend and a work colleague of mine named Leo Palazzuoli. Leo isn't just an athlete. He is an amazing athlete. Some of his fitness accomplishments are frankly mind-boggling, and I'm sure you'll find them mind-boggling as well. But Leo is also an approachable guy who shares lessons that I can apply to my wellness journey, even though my wellness journey is quite different than Leo's. Hopefully, you'll find it the same way. So with that, let's get started. Hello, this is Mediocre Mitch, and welcome to episode 20 of the Meet Mediocrity podcast. Meet Mediocrity has quickly become a community of people that are seeking personal wellness and are interested in helping one another along their wellness journeys. The Meet Mediocrity motto I created is Ordinary People Helping Ordinary People Be Their Extraordinary Selves. I am proud of that motto, and as someone who I consider to be an ordinary person, I can relate to it. However, today's episode pushes the envelope on ordinary. Leo Palazzuoli is someone I have known for well over 20 years through work, but I also consider him to be a friend. He's also an athlete that I admire immensely. His accomplishments and his work ethic from an athletic standpoint are far from ordinary, and they are definitely not mediocre. He's run several sub-three-hour marathons. He's run ultra-distance races, including 100-mile trail runs in the Alps. In fact, Leo regularly runs a marathon on the weekends just for fun. The amazing thing, though, is that Leo is in his 40s, and he only started running six years ago. And in those six years, Leo has logged, at least according to Strava, over 17,000 miles of running. As you listen to my conversation with Leo, you'll hear some great stories and you'll also hear some useful tidbits that any of us can apply to any of our wellness goals. So, without further delay, here is my conversation with Leo Palazzuoli. So, Leo, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Mitch. Um, so, Leo, in the introduction to this podcast, I talked a lot about your accomplishments, um, but the fact that you're also like a really approachable guy who appreciates the fact that athletics and wellness is a journey. Um, so before we get into some of the actual kind of stories and tips and tricks you have, Give us a little bit of background on Leo, you, where, you, where you came from, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So um, I think, like anything, exercise is something you do um, with others. You, you enjoy it because it's something that you can, uh, you can do as either a t part of a team or as part of an individual goal or pursuit that you do. And uh, from my perspective, I played sports all throughout kind of, you know, 
high school, college, et cetera. And, um, and, I, and I continued on that journey and found the same satisfaction, if not more, when I went into corporate world and found that, you know, whether it was playing golf with clients or whether it was playing tennis on weekends with neighbors, that you can enjoy any aspect of sports to get a satisfaction on both, um, you know, a little bit around your personal fitness, but also something that you can share in terms of um, goals and aspirations of improving your physical health. So you um, played. So you played. In, you played this sports in high school and college. What, what kind of sports did you play? Yeah. So um, in high school, I played football. I played basketball. I played lacrosse, um, and um, I, I was on the tennis team for a while. So yes, yeah, so I did quite a bit of uh, lacrosse in college. It was mostly intramural stuff through fraternities, but I obviously kept up with all the same sports. And throughout that entire period, and Mitch, you've known me over the years. Um, a lot of gym time. So I've always enjoyed the gym. I've always pushed myself to kind of improve on um, taking care of just general conditioning. So you, you mentioned the gym. I, I mean, I know you today as really an endurance athlete and a runner, but you weren't always that, Leo. So tell me how you went from um, team sports to maybe, you know, being a bit of a gym rat to being, you know, a runner. Yeah, so um, the gym thing, obviously, it, it's again back to this whole kind of joining, enjoying things with others. I just had a lot of friends who um, went to the gym often. And it was a good way to see them and share, um, you know, stories and still enjoy a, a little bit of fitness on the side. Um, I, as you progress kind of in, in your day to day life, uh, the need for different exercises becomes um I guess, based on what you want to look like and what you're going to use that physical fitness for. So kind of in college and high school, I was a, a bit of a, we'll call it a little bit of a, a more muscly type with mm -hmm. uh, probably a little over 200 pounds. And, um, and I did a lot with weights. And then as I kind of got out of that routine and realized where well, you can't be a, a muscly guy in a suit all day long and uh, sit behind a desk all day, you don't get to carry it around with you. It was time to get more into the endurance stuff. So I got more into the cardio aspects and body weight training, things around, you know, core and stability and, you know, pull-ups and push-ups and things like that to, to, to strengthen both, you know, just your ability to endure more athletic activity as well as protect your body from injury. So let's talk, let's talk about that for a second. So, so Leo, we're going to talk shortly about the fact that you, you have this un, innate ability to just run and run and run, but you still go to the gym and you still do that kind of whole body fitness. So tell us how, um, tell us a little bit about what, how often do you keep going to the gym? What do you do and how does it benefit like being a runner? Yeah, that's a good, great question. I mean, I, I will tell you, it's a one for one now. So for every minute I spend running, I spend a minute of core or work of working out in general. Um, I'm not going to say gym anymore because in the virtual world, the gym is missing from that's life, right. but uh, home gymming. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that ratio has served me well in terms of protecting myself from injury. I only got into running when I turned 40. Um, I joined a local park run here in neighborhood kind of uh, social thing, a 5K. And then I enjoyed it and kept doing it for several weeks. And when I say several, I mean like an entire year. Um, and, um, and then I built up and went from 5K to 10K and 10K to half marathon, et cetera. And all throughout that, you, you realize that you've got to build up your endurance slowly. Anyone who jumps from something short to something long will immediately have a reaction from their body, just like they would if they were in the gym going from 
you know, bench pressing 100 pounds to 200 pounds, your body might be able to do it, but it will have a reaction to doing it. So my, my correlation of gym to running is all in, ter in terms of trying to stabilize how you get that balance of what you expect your body to do and return back to you um, based on the events that you're, you're, you're preparing for. So that's, that is actually, so that is a, an amazing comment that you just made because I was not aware that you spent as much time on that kind of whole body strengthening as you do running. And I've always kind of said to myself, wow, Leo can run and run and run because he's just a natural, natural runner. But, but actually there's a lot more to it than that. It sounds to me like you are really preparing for your body for preparing your body for running as much as you're actually running. Yeah. And, and so Mitch, I mean, I, I think on this angle, I think the most important thing I've learned kind of over the years is um, you've got to put in the hard work if you want the result back in return. And so the effort will only translate into a success if you make your body prepare for the pain. And when you're running, you fatigue. When you fatigue, your, um, your, your general style and your general kind of approach to how you, you, um, you take on that running will adapt. And that's how the injuries create themselves. When you slouch over, when you, you, you start nodding your head down, when you start favoring one side versus the other, everything starts to fall out of place. So the majority of my exercise is not really exciting stuff, but it's like single leg, you know, dips and things that are evolving around hundreds and hundreds of body squats and lunges and things that are going to protect the little muscles and little tendons in your body that are going to take an impact be prepared for the fact that they're going to take the impact and they need to be the strongest that they can be to endure that. That's great advice. You know, Leo, I, a lot of, a lot of the listeners know that I've trained for triathlons and it's my wife on the other hand is far more well-rounded. She does yoga, she does Pilates, she does cycling, she does running. And sometimes I feel like she's probably more prepared to do a triathlon than I am because I do not focus enough on the other things. And you're, what you're really saying is well-roundedness, um, one activity supports the other. So I think that's really great advice. Yeah, and I, I have rules. Like I don't believe in you do a major event and then you take time off. I think the major event is part of your overall training regimen. And I've always gone for a run the day after a major race, just irrespective of whether it's a 100 miler or a 5K. I'm going to exercise that next day because I don't want my body to think that that event was meant to break me and have to recuperate. I want to have been ready for that event. Okay, so you're you're leading me into a story that I love, and 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 I I, you know, we're friends, we're work colleagues. I also follow we follow each other on Strava, and I remember an event you did uh, probably around a year ago. It was some sort of ultra marathon that you were you were running with someone and and you didn't finish and the next and for whatever reason you'll tell me in a second and then the next day you're on the treadmill for like two hours making up the difference i i was laughing hysterically when i saw that can you tell us that story yeah so i mean again like anything you're you're sometimes going to chew off some things that uh, are worse than others but i decided i was going to pace someone on a um hundred mile race and it was a gentleman, I mean, again, again, I'm going to say this gentleman was in his 60s and was running four 100 milers, part of the Centurion series here oh in the goodness. UK. And so um, in order to get the, the full four 100s done, 
he had to get through this the hardest one, which was about a fourteen and a half thousand feet of ascent over a hundred miles, <laughs> done in the middle of July in in scorching heat. And so I said I would pace him, and I really found it a struggle to pace him because um, I was, you know, I wasn't running my natural speed. So you know, pacing people is one thing when it's a five k or a ten k, but over a hundred miles, people go through demons at different points in the sure. race. And so um, I, you know, the first 20 miles were fine. 20 to 28 was a struggle. It was a really steep section. Um, and then, you know, like any endurance event, you got to get your hydration right. You got to get your um, your nutrition right. And it was a really hot day, kind of like high 80s. Um, and, you know, I was sitting there boiling, not getting through the mileage. And um, I got to a point where the person said, listen, I'm going to finish this event. You have to trust me but I can't stay with you. You're just throwing off my entire plan. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Well, I just wasted about 10 hours getting to 35 miles when I could have done this. I could have done twice this if I was running on my own. So I I ran another 25 or 30 miles and then it was already getting dark. And I thought, you know what, this is just, you know, I'm not going to be proud of the final time because it doesn't represent the effort. And frankly, I just kind of, my wife was out on the course, um, just kind of doing some crewing anyway. I just kind of 65 miles in, just threw in the towel and said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to quit this race. Um, the next day, but the day next day you were on the treadmill, Leo. 8 a.m. in the morning, I jumped on that treadmill and I did an hour. I did about 10 miles and, uh, and I just, you know, like anything, I was like, I was frustrated more by the, the fact it hadn't been completed and the way it went about it. Um, and I did learn a lot about pacing in that, in that you, you, you don't sign up to pace people unless you know exactly what's being demanded of you and that you're prepared to take that because pacing someone for 30 minutes is very different from pacing someone for 24 hours. Right. Right. So Leo, before we get into some of the the successes you've had, are there any other challenges or stories that come to mind that, that, you know, would be good to hear about? Yeah. So one, one sticks out, Mitch, and um, I, I live in London. So London is about as flat as you get. It's hard to find hills. And most of my running involves running along the Thames, which is really nice, but very flat. And um, I signed up for a race. I I signed up for several races. And unfortunately, the lottery on them, like UTMB, was just very difficult. I kept kept getting passed up. And I came across a race that was going through its first inaugural run, which was UTMR, uh, the Ultra Trail Monterosa, which was running basically from um, Italy to Switzerland. And it was a a long 110K kind of, I think it was 12,000 meters, so almost 20,000 feet or 25,000 feet of of, uh, elevation. And I signed up for it all excited. And I've done the mileage. So I've always run kind of 80, 90 miles a week. So it was was fine that I was going to be running that distance. But boy, did I realize that running up and down the Alps versus running on the flat um, Thames path was a very different animal. And, you know, the first piece of this race was running up the Matterhorn and then running up Monterosa and Monterosa is the second highest peak to Mont Blanc in the entire, in the entire Alps. You're talking about 3,200 meters of ascent all in one go. Um, but lo and behold, the cutoff on this race was 36 hours and there were 300 people that had qualified for it. Um, and only 56 finished. Um, it rained the entire time. Some parts of it were snow and sleet. It was below zero, most of it. Um, and the whole time, I, it took me 34 hours and 40 minutes, I think, to finish it. I was miserable. 
absolutely miserable. Uh, about 70 miles in, I had to cut my, my, my trainers, my sneakers right off my feet with a scissor because my feet were so swollen to change shoes. Um, and everything about that showed me that you train for an event, you have to be specifically training for that event. So if it's in the Alps and it involves a lot of altitude and different terrain, you go train there or you don't sign up for that race. That sounds miserable, Leo. I, I, I can understand what you're saying, though, because it, it's almost like, you know, when, when I run on trails, which I don't do often, it's, it, to me, there, there's not just that physical change of whether it's elevation or um, terrain, but there's a mental exhaustion as well, because you really need to watch where you're stepping and be careful you don't twist an ankle. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, you've got to stay focused to make sure you're not injuring yourself like you suggested, but you also need to be um, forward planning all throughout that event, right? Because you, if you do too hard on the bike, then you run out of steam on the run. If you, you know, take, you don't do the proper breathing on your, on your swimming and, and try to push that, it'll impact on, on something else. And, you know, it's really hard to stay concentrated and to try to cover off all your bases the longer the events go. So when you get to Ironman's full distance and you get to these ultra marathons that take 34 hours, um, you know, you start to zone out. And when you zone out, you, you start to create doubt and you start to create mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I have also noticed, Leo, that you've actually had some interesting accomplishments. I know that you ran a marathon recently under three hours. Then I saw you do one on the treadmill. So tell us a little bit about some of your recent successes, Leo, things that you're proud of. Yeah, no, so um, I'm proud of anything I cross a finish line on. So to be honest, I'm not, I'm, I'm always in it to just finish. I'm not a big guy about trying to, you know, podium finish. That's, I think running is all about personal achievement versus trying to achieve something for, uh, for the benefit of others or, and so, you know, you have to have purpose behind these events. From a marathon perspective, I, um, I, I like anyone, would have this holy grail of trying to go under three hours. And um, what played against me was too much muscle at the beginning. I went into these things heavy. Um, and I, like anything, if you've done enough VO2 max tests, you realize that muscle drains a lot of the oxygen that you try to suck in. And so if you're running a bunch of six-minute miles, but you're carrying a ton of muscle, you're using up a huge amount more oxygen than someone who isn't carrying that muscle. And so it was a big struggle trying to get the balance of muscle and fitness to get to a sub three hour marathon. And I did that in Frankfurt about three or four years ago and, um, and then found it a struggle to repeat it and, and tried to do it in a variety of different settings. Um, and now I'm at a point where I think I've got that kind of mix. Um, so, you know, in, in today's age, I think you find that like the courses may vary. Um, for me, like the big ma major marathons are, are the biggest draw just because you, you thrive on the crowds. Um, right. So Berlin was my best marathon. I did that in 249 um, last year. And, um, you know, that was a surprise. I mean, anytime you're taking, you know, seven or eight minutes off of PB and in that time range, you're, you're, you're overachieving. You're, you're probably running a race that's beyond what you're training suggested you would do. Um, so yeah, so now uh, I've got one left that was unfortunately canceled or postponed this year, which was Tokyo, which will complete six majors. I did those in a row. So I did uh, Chicago first and then made my way to Boston, London, Berlin, and New York. And I was hoping to close it off uh, um, back in late February this year in Tokyo, but that'll happen next year. So a lot of the things we're speaking about, Leo, are things that 
the vast majority of us will never accomplish. And, and fa- frankly, the vast majority of us may have no desire to accomplish. But the, the, when, I, you know, when I started this podcast, one of the things I mentioned, Leo, is that you're also an incredibly accepting and you're incredibly um, you know, relatable when it comes to kind of coaching, encouraging others. I always appreciate the fact, Leo, that you know, I'll do my, my three-mile run at 10 minutes a mile and you still text me, good job. <laughs> and, 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 and so you know, a lot of us, especially in the pandemic world, are just trying to improve ourselves a little bit from where we, we started. So whether it's getting off the couch and, and, and starting an exercise regime or whether it's you know, hoping to do, like I did, a virtual triathlon or you know, your first 5K, whatever it might be, what would be your words of advice, Leo, for someone who's just trying to take the next level? They're never going to run a marathon, but just go to the next step. What, what would your advice be? Um, so I, I will start off by saying, Mitch, I don't believe in the word never. So um, <laughs> I think anybody can do anything. So, um, but I will say that the important thing is, is to get started, right? So everything comes from a point of you know, motivation. And I think like anything, and the, the reason why you, you get kudos from me and on Strava and you get comments from me is that if you love something that you want others to love it as well. And so the important thing is to include others in what you're doing. And so if you know other runners, don't be intimidated by them, but learn to accept that they can teach you something and everyone wants to help someone else when it comes to a passion that they have. And so, you know, I joined a local running club I was the slowest one in the running club and little by little, I learned little tricks of what you do to train better, what the right shoes are, what you should do in terms of other um, exercises that might help that or the right stretches, et cetera, after. And each one of those things helps you improve. And, you know, I, you know, we talked a lot about the, the science of trying to get the right core training and the right stability training to make sure you don't get injured. Um, you know, I, I do virtual zoom sessions every evening with, friends of mine that aren't at the same level as me, teaching them various exercises to help them, whether they're cyclists, whether they're, you know, triathletes, whether they're runners, to just, you know, help share that. And nowadays with YouTube, et cetera, there's no shortage of expertise out there that's willing to be shared so that people can, you know, better their current situation. But nothing will remove the fact that it comes down to a personal responsibility to just get out and do stuff. And so there, you know, a lot of people says, well, I can't find the time. I'm going to tell you, it's not about finding the time. You'll never find the time. You've got to make the time. You know, I've, I've taken two conference calls this morning on a treadmill. You, you do that every time it's your turn to talk, you throw your feet on the side, you take it off of mute and you answer the question, you jump right back on. It's the only time I had today. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's on Strava. So it's done. Like it, these are the things you've got to force as part of your routine if you really want to make it part of you, your lifestyle and really want to improve in it and um, achieve your goals. That's amazing advice. And it's not just advice for athletics. It's really advice for life. I mean, I really like the fact that you're like, look, try if there's something you want to do try it except the fact that there will always be something someone better than you and you can learn from that and the thing that that is interesting and i don't know whether other people feel this way but i do for me it's easy to get intimidated by people who are better than me and the truth is most people that are better than you 
really want to help make you better. Like this isn't a competition. This is a life journey and we're all in it together. I completely agree. I mean, think about what Kipchoge did, you know, going for the sub two hour marathon and the whole, you know, hashtag of no human is limited. It's really sending a sign to everyone that there is no um, achievement that doesn't require personal sacrifice and dedication but that you don't start from a place of intimidation, you start from a place of curiosity. And as long as you're curious about what you can do and you put yourself out there and try, you will inevitably improve. You will find improvements in your day-to-day life. And I mean, Mitch, you've known me for 20 plus years from a work perspective. The way my exercise works translates into how my work works because you push yourself because you've achieved. And so when you achieve in running or you achieve in cycling or you achieve in anything else, you take that into your day-to-day routine in terms of expecting more from every aspect of your life. I love that, Leo. And I really thank you for those words of wisdom because at the end of the day, all we're really trying to do is put one foot in front of the other in a positive way and make life a growth, a growth exercise. And it doesn't matter whether you're doing ultra marathons or whether you're doing a 5K or whether you're just getting off the couch. What really matters is that you're constantly improving, you're constantly living your best self. And if there are others who can help you get there, use that to your advantage. So I think the advice you gave us tells us that, I think it's great advice. Any final words, Leo, before we wrap it up? Um, You know, a little bit cheesy, but you know, the greatest achievements in life come from the greatest sacrifices. You know, you can read that in the books, but it really comes down to, you've got to work hard. And I, I honestly believe that in every routine, you should challenge whether or not the time you're using is the wisest time you could use. Um, you've got to take baby steps, but always look to push one step harder. So if you start off with a walk, make it a brisk walk, then enhance it to a trot, enhance it to one block on, one block off, but always push yourself to do more. If you do things in repetition, your results will not change. And that is true of anything you're training for, is that it has to hurt a little in order for it to improve. And so my, my words of wisdom here to anybody is that um, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zones if you're going to have high expectations. Repetition will not get you to those high expectations. Hmm. Well, thank you, Leo. Thank you for the words of wisdom and thank you for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure, Mitch. Thank you. I'm sorry. Forget about mediocre or ordinary. Leo is an extraordinary athlete. And while I highly doubt I will ever run a sub three-hour marathon, I do hope one day to run a full-length marathon. And I'm sure everyone, all of us, can relate to one fitness or wellness goal that we hope to achieve for ourselves and that we dream of. With that in mind, here are three lessons I took from Leo today. First, take advantage of the tips tricks, support, and advice you can get from others who are accomplished in your wellness activity. As Leo said, if you love something, you want others to love it as well. So offering up help and advice is just part of that process. Take advantage of it. Second, Leo said that he spends a minute doing core, strength, 
and stability training for every minute he spends running. That means that he spends as much time preparing his body for his main activity as he does actually practicing his main activity. That discipline helps prevent injury and encourages a more holistic wellness for your mind and your body. Third, and finally, it's never too late to start. Leo is in his 40s and he only started running six years ago and he's become a very accomplished distance runner. So what that tells me and should tell any of us, if we choose to, we can become quite strong at a chosen activity if we put our time and effort into it at any age, at any time of life. So with that said, here is my new wrap up. Please go to my new website, meetmediocrity.com. Listen to all of my podcasts, read my blogs, watch my video logs, and enter your email address to receive newsletters, be entered into contests, receive special offers, and more. And finally, finally, this has been Mediocre Mitch wishing you to be happy Keep smiling, stay healthy, and be well. Take care, everyone.